Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. No commercials today. Just thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you for uh, your patronage uh, in subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon if you do that. But more importantly, thank you for your attention, and thank you for letting your friends know about Word Balloon. The audience continues to grow and uh, I really appreciate that. And that doesn't happen without you letting people know that you enjoy the content you get right here on Word Balloon. So I wanted to, right off the bat, say thank you very much. And uh, it means a lot. Uh, it's been 10 years of Word Balloon, and uh, nothing is slowing me down or stopping me. Lots more great programming coming up in the weeks and months ahead, and hopefully years to come as well, right here at WordBalloon.com. Uh, very happy to uh, welcome back our spy from the cold. It's time for another Rucka debrief. That's right, Greg Rucka is here for the entire program, and we are talking about Lazarus, his excellent book with Michael Lark. We're talking about his brand new book, Black Magic with Nicholas Scott. Uh, a few other projects. Uh, he gives us kind of the temperature on some of the other uh, projects that he's got going on. And uh, it's still not enough. So hopefully uh, this is the first of maybe another Rucka debrief before uh, the end of 2015, if all works out. But uh, there's plenty of conversation, and uh, as I described it at the end of this conversation, we're like your two crusty old uncles that are off in the corner, kind of just, uh, you know, BSing, and as you'll see at your holiday dinner and stuff. Think of us like that as you listen to this uh, conversation of comics and uh, current events and uh, otherwise with uh, my buddy Greg Rucka. Happy to have him back on Word Balloon today. So without further ado, let us present this edition of the Rucka Debrief. Here's Greg Rucka now on Word Balloon. I can't believe it's been like a year and a half since the last Rucka Debrief. Yeah, well, so how did I leave you out in the field this? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's the writer, the writer who came in from the cold tonight. Is that is that gonna be the oh, subtitle for not. this? So. <laughs> no, I want a happier ending. Oh, well, that thank book. you. Oh, what a morose ending! Fair enough. Yeah, but a perfect. <laughs> talking about a genre-defining ending. And look at that. Thirty seconds in, we've already done a Licare deep dive. Wow. Attaboy, attaboy. <laughs> Welcome back, Greg Rucka. Jesus. Hey, nice to talk to you, John. As always, my man. No, I'm. Uh, I, congrats, Jesus Christ! You are just. Uh, the, we, we can't go over what's been going on for the last year and a half because so we'll we will stick with the current. Sure, sure we can. And, and, well, we could. You talked to you Bendis know. for four hours at a time, John. Well, I'm, my man, I'm happy to. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. We yeah, but we keep vampire hours, and technically, it's you know still the middle of the night, so yeah. kids could come to you for homework or Fair whatever. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, but no, let's, uh, first of all, Black Magic. Yes. Excellent beginning. Fantastic. Thank you. Issue two uh, next Wednesday. I figured, and I hope this this will likely be out before uh, before then. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, great start. And I know you and Nicola have been uh, brewing on this for a long time, and I'm glad that it's finally out and running. Yeah, we're very excited. Though I'm, I, I have to be honest and say I'm, I'm a little terrified at the reception. You know, the reception to issue one was just so gratifying. And I'm really certain that everybody's going to look at issue two and go, what the hell is this? This isn't what I thought it was going to This is boring. You know, it's going to be like, yeah, Rocket did it again. You know? So, <laughs> so we, will, we will see. We will see. I mean, if nothing else, you know, don't pick it up for anything I did. Just pick it up to look at what Nicola's doing because it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's 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 excellent. And I, I also like uh, the layouts uh, rather than, you know, the traditional like splash splash page and then a page of panels and mm -hmm. stuff to kind of do a a half double page splash. I, I thought that was really neat in the first issue in particular. So. Yeah, no, she um 
you know, so much of the visual style of the book is entirely, I mean, entirely her, you know, Nicola, Nicola presented it, you know, I mean, we talked about it, obviously, you know, when I said, this is the thing I want to do, and here are the first two scripts, and, you know, she came back, but when she, when she was ready to sort of dig in, when she was out of the exclusive at DC and ready to start working on this, she sort of disappeared for about a month and a half, two months, and then came back to me and said, so here's some designs, and this is what I'm thinking about. And she had talked about, well, I was thinking I'm going to work a lot with washes and do, you know, work, work, work with watercolor brushes and technique like that. I had no idea what she was going to do. I mean, nothing. It, it just, just, there was no way I, I could have seen it coming. And it's, and I've said this in other interviews, you know, but it's, it's such the right match for the book. Um, and since she's sort of introduced that visual language and I've adapted to it as I've written and as we talk about it more and more and, 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 and have gotten more in sync with it, it's, it's opened up some of the storytelling. I just, I just gave her the script for issue five, um, day before yesterday. Uh, and there are some sequences in that that are, you know, they are written entirely because I know she will go to town on them. Um, <laughs> And and we're actually debating as to whether or not we're going to go to 23 pages on that issue because there's – it was one of those cases where we got the last page. And, oh, this would be so much better as a double page. You know, so we will see. We will see. That's cool. Yeah. Is she – was it always, you know, or was it a surprise that she was doing this in black and white or did you guys say, well, you know, obviously black magic, let's do it black and white? No. Uh, I mean, again, that was that was Nick. She cool. she came back and she said, I have this idea for the way that I want to use color. Color is definitely tied to the use of magic. And there are actually and, and you'll see as it as it advances. Um, I mean, there's one instance of color in issue two, only one. And okay. it's very subtle. It's very subtle. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. Every time I say it's very subtle. People go, no, that kind of slapped me in the face like it was a ham hock, you dumbass. Uh, um, and then when I think, oh, this is obvious, that tends to be when I'm too subtle for my own good, right? So to me, it's very subtle. It may read as neon, you know, come Wednesday when people open the book. But very deliberately, I mean, the second that that sort of entered the conversation about the language of the book, then we very, very quickly were like, okay, then, then – different characters have different palettes. So Rowan's magic has its own palette and Alex's spells have their own palette. And, and, and I can't say anything else because it would be spoilery, but suffice it to say, um, that was, again, that was something that Nicola brought to the book. And then, you know, she's got, um, Kiara Arena, uh, who she's working with and sort of pushes on the shoulder of, I think for the color. So, but, um, you know, much like Michael on Lazarus, uh, the art direction of the book is is very, it's overseen. You know. Yeah, I understand that, and I, obviously, you you chose both of them. Uh, you know, well, I don't know. Did uh, in the case of Michael, I think right. Uh, like, did you have him in mind for Lazarus always? Um, no. Initially, Michael had been in mind for Black Magic. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. uh, initially that was the book we were going to do. And <clears throat> for reasons that are f- far too complicated to go into here, that didn't happen. And okay. 
Uh, and as I think I, I, as I think I told you the last time we talked, if you said the Wayback Machine, you know, I ended up in Dallas on a book tour, and he and I went to dinner, and I said, I have this idea. And I sort of gave him the opening to Lazarus 1. And he was like, I want to draw that. So I was like, all right, well, nothing's happening with Black Magic. Um, so let's, let's, let's do this. Um, and in, at the same time, um, Nicola had been aware of Black Magic, but had thought that was Michael's book. So when she and I had been in communication, she was like, well, what are you doing? I said, I still got Black Magic. She was like, ooh, 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 ooh. So, like I said, I mean, like I said, it's it, it, it's the right match for the right people. I think, yes. you know, and, and, and everybody on Black Magic in particular, you know, well, not everybody, um, but certainly Nicola and Janine both have far more experience exploring um, pagan religion and spirituality than I do. And, and they, I'm not sure. Really? Why, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure why you're laughing. Um, I mean, they, you know, and, and, and Janine, is this the religion? Was I just rude or something? No, <laughs> you know, <I> no, <laughs> no. I mean, it's just, look, you know, the Wicca is as a uh, valid belief system, you know, as, sure. as, as any other, um, I mean, yeah, you, you sure. have to, you have to grant that credence. You can, you can be appalled by it if you want, you know, if, it, it, well, no, no, I'm, I'm not speaking to you specifically. <laughs> I see. I see. Like, I know there are people out there who are going to have problems with it, but you know, depending on and 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 trying to put Wicca in into a you know small container is like trying to put Christianity in a small container. You can't, right? Because to imply that you know Rubio's Christianity is my neighbor's Christianity, you know, is 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 erroneous. You can't, you know, Catholicism is not Presbyterian, you know. So, you know, you look at Wicca and modern Wicca, Gardnerian Wicca, right, is is really a construct of the 20th century. But the underpinnings of that belief system are genuinely archaic. Sure. So, you know, and I think like a lot of people, you know, uh, stuff that Nicola had done a fair amount of reading on, stuff that Janine had done a fair amount of reading on. I think she, and Janine writes about this in, um, in issue one, I think in certainly in the magazine version may have been in the standard version as well, but she talks about, you know, uh, attending, uh, attending circle meetings when she was living in New York city and so on. So one of the benefits that I get to reap from that is I've done a lot of reading, but it's been research reading and it has been less practical you know, and when, you know, I went to visit, you know, I was in, I was in Australia, um, in September for two shows. I did a show in Brisbane and I did a show in Sydney and Nick lives in Sydney. So I, I went to her place and she and her husband have a fairly small apartment and her work area is tiny. I mean, really tiny, like, like crazy small compared to spaces that I see most, uh, artists work in, it's, it's it, it, they would, they would, and Nicola is not tiny. I mean, you've I, met I was going to say, she, yeah, exactly. Nicola's a, Nicola's a very tall woman. Yeah, she's, she's a very, she's very a, tall. She's a tall drink of water and she's working in this <laughs> tiny space. And then behind her, right, are all her bookshelves and there's all of this Wonder Woman stuff. And then she's got all of her sort of, uh, occult and wicked, uh, so, and she's, you know, she's got various paraphernalia and so on. So one of the benefits, this is the long way around, 
one of the benefits of this is that the three of us can have conversations where I said, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. The book isn't, Rowan isn't strictly wicked in the, in the modern sense. She can't be. That's one of the conceits of the story is that she's practicing a tradition that is far predates Gardnerian Wicca. So there are things that are going to dovetail. There are going to be similarities. One of the things that we really want to do is, you know, maintain a level of respect um, and make it clear that when Rowan steps wrong, and she does, um, that is not, that is, that is a personal failing. That is not a philosophical or, or, or religious one, if that makes sense. So, uh, and it does matter to me, you know, I, I would no sooner want to offend anybody, you know, uh, with black magic than, you know, I, I would have wanted to offend anybody, you know, when I wrote half a life. Um, sure. Yeah, I'm sure there are going to be people who are pissed off, and I'm pretty certain that there are shops that won't carry the book. What a shock, you know. Um, it, won't yeah. be the, it won't be the first time that's happened in my career. So. Oh, that's, but that's the great thing right now is that there's a, there's a way for all of you, you know, that are doing some interesting stuff to have a place to do it and not have someone tell you no. Right. Well, so, you know, and I, and I, and again, present a story. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly This is a device, you know, a divisive story that, yeah, could, could probably get a no if it were to go to one of the bigger publishers. But it is, but it is a story. And that's the thing. It's not, it's not a polemic. You know, I'm not, I'm not out there trying to say, and now everybody should convert. You know, this is a narrative (laughs) and, and this is, this is part of the character's identity. Um, and in this instance, the character's identity is very much related to the story we're telling. Um, you know, this, this is an aspect of her personality that is tightly bound to the story that we're telling. So, well, and it's an opportunity to tell a real world perspective on both the religion and the, the crime world that she is, you know, dealing with. Well, so. pseudo real world. Let's leave it at that. You know? um, okay. I've only read uh, the first issue. Well, yeah, obviously, exactly. yeah, in terms of some of the manifestations. All right, fine. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. Like you said, it is a story. And it's a story that's yeah, just trying to be a little bit more real and a little bit more grounded. Yeah, yeah. Than than you know, uh, Samantha and Dora showing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can, again, yeah, what a terrible go. thing! <laughs> now I'm flirting. You say that is that PC it, world it we're could, in right now. It could it could be no. I, I think you're safe with that one. <laughs> yeah. This is not Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you or, know, or even Will. Well, I guess actually it is kind of closer to Willow and. Uh, it might be a little closer to Willow and Tara. Uh, Tara, thank but, you. but I think that if there's anything, again, you know, the, 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 the Buffy analog was, well, there's no surprise that there's witchcraft in that world because they're fighting vampires from the pilot, you know? So the, sec- <laughs> the second that you've got that, you know, everything else right. is open. Sure. Um, so, yeah. That's fine. No, I, I like the first issue. I uh, no, and I love the choices that Nicola is making. I mean, that was my point in terms of Lark. Like Lazarus looks like a Michael Lark book. This doesn't necessarily like look exactly. like a traditional Nicola book. Absolutely. Well, and I think that that's the, you know that's a twofold thing. It goes back to what I was saying, right? Which is the it's the right artist for the right project. Yeah. Um, this is and I and I think Michael would not hesitate to to agree with me. You know. 
he's a better fit for Lazarus. Um, and, you know, Nicola is a much better fit for Black Magic. They're each drawing the book that I think they feel they should be drawing. One of the delights in doing this with Nick is that, you know, everybody knows her from her DC work. Right. And, you know, her DC work fit into a the DC super, Well, it fit into that style, yeah. Right. It would, yeah. She, she had her distinctiveness in it. But this is really, you know, well, she's off leash now, man. She's unchained. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Nicola, Nicola unchained is a mighty thing to behold. So. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's, it is. It's, it's very, it's very cool. And yeah, like you said, I mean, that's, it's obvious that DC has kind of adopted this house style and has had it for a few years. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, no, I get it. And uh, no, this is good. And, and I honestly, I could see Michael doing this book and it might've, played out more at least based on the first issue and it might have played out more like sean and uh and brubaker on uh criminal and all of their stuff i think i think it would have had much more of the 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 gotham central you know right. police procedural feel and the cop side of this which there is a cop side to this story. absolutely and and that cop side is very very evident and and really this is when i say you know i don't know how people are going to react to issue two issue two is primarily a cop issue you know, it is it is Rowan dealing professionally with the fallout of what's happened in issue one and and her being, quote unquote, as they say, on the job. Um, so, you know, and in that sense, I think that had been why initially both Michael and I had thought he would be a good match for it. But uh, as I said, it's actually I mean, this is, you know, I'm very fortunate right now i've got i've got collaborators uh on the right projects at the right time in the right place right uh and and that is that is one of the biggest i think tricks in 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 making comics you know for those of us who cannot draw um and there are a lot of us um you know is 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 finding the right match that that fits the story you're going to tell but you know the beauty of comics i've said this several times before i feel like a lot of times i'm just repeating myself i'm getting to that age where i'm like yeah i just <laughs> i'm just i'm just uh, let's put them on repeat um but you know one of the joys of comics to me is that collaboration and at their best comics are more than the sum of their parts um and at their worst they are a bunch of parts that have never meshed and I have worked on projects where uh, the collaboration has been beautiful and seamless. And I've worked on projects where the collaboration has failed utterly. And uh, every seam and crack and crevice is visible. Uh, right now, both Lazarus and Black Magic, and I can add Stumptown to that list very easily, are issues of really seamless collaboration. Um, where I feel, you know, I'm probably going to get emails from all the artists I'm you know, talking about later going, what the hell were you on? But I feel like we're all on the same wavelength, you know, that we're all, we are all communicating clearly and, and working in an environment that, uh, that allows all of us to, yeah, I'm not even going to say test our boundaries as much as, you know, keep pushing ourselves and expanding and, and trying 
trying to do different things and 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 challenging each other and 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 and, and raising our game in that sense. So you know, Nick is challenging me, and that's good. That's good. I think complacency is a very dangerous thing in art. Um, I think we see a lot of complacency in comics. We see writers in particular who have found a thing that works for them, and then they stick with it. And uh, they can do it very, very well. And a lot of people are more than happy to pay for them doing it very, very well over and over again. Uh, But those are, you know, individuals who don't want to be outside of their comfort zone. And I think... You know, I think I think you've got to be challenged. Uh, you know, I was talking to Nick and Janine this week, and there's a there's a major story point coming up. Um, you know, in the first year of Black Magic, and I have you know I'm I'm I indicated in the conversation that I might rethink that and back away, and both of them were like, "No, you don't." <laughs> I was like, uh, "Okay," you know, and it was one of the and the reason I want to back away from it is I'm scared of it. I'm scared of doing this thing with the character i'm 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 i am i i am nervous about what the reaction would be you know and both janine and nick were like don't you dare change that you know you, you told us that at the start and i'm uh, i'm in so like i say it's uh it's good to be kept on your toes how long of a story do you see this been um we see it in three acts, really very distinctly three acts. And each act is about 10 issues each, nine or 10. Okay. So it's probably going to take us all told about four years to tell it. Um, we're going to break each of these acts into two sort of sections. So we're doing five issues. We'll be a month off, trade month off, and then we'll be back with the end of that first year and then we'll take a month off trade month off and we'll come back with the first five of the second uh and like that there are things that will become more evident as the series goes series goes on that will allow for ancillary storytelling if we want to if we want to pursue it and nick and i were talking about that when i was in australia and she gets when she, when she gets excited, she gets a gleam in her eye. You know, and, and we had been talking, and she was gleaming. She was like, "Ooh, ooh, we have to do that." And I was like, uh, well, "I don't know where we'll fit it in, but okay." Uh, because that's the other thing. Both you know, Nicola and Michael, they're like, nobody else draws this book but me. You know, this is my book. I'm drawing it. Um, so it in that sense. As much as, you know, there's ancillary material, it's clear that Nick wants to be able to draw that as well. And if she does that, we have to take time from the main plot. So we will see. Those are, those are bridges that are to be crossed much further down the line. Like I said, we're one issue in. And, um, right. And, and I think the response, you know, the response was very positive. Um, I don't know what our final numbers were. They weren't, they weren't bad. Um, You're reading my mind. That was my next question. Yeah. I think, I think we, we were... Uh, I think we're in the mid thirties. Um, okay. Yeah. That, that, that ain't bad. Um, yeah, that's solid. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's terrific. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would surely trade for, you know, even higher numbers, but I, I'll course. take what I can get. Um, you know, I mean, we've got, and I think, I don't know. I find it very hard to understand 
the market in terms of who's trade waiting and who isn't. Um, sure. Certainly. You know, Lazarus right now is clearly for a lot of people a trade book. Um, yes, but, I would agree. But that's creating problems for us on the floppy side. Because if, and I'm sorry to hear that. Go on. Yeah, well, yeah. but I mean, if the floppy numbers make the book unsustainable, right, in floppies, right. then you find yourself in a situation where trades are paying for your floppies. And that's not a great business model. Right, uh, right. Um, so there is, you know, we've got some concerns there. Well, that's why I, I, I'm always interested in talking, and that's what I was going to talk about with Lazarus. One of the things is, you know, I, I, I think you've always appreciated my quoting the Python movie, Welcome to the Middle of the Film. Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, where where are we in a lot of these image books? Um, you know, I Celia and Norton are buddies, and I know they've even said, okay, we're stopping Revival around 40. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's the thing. We know that... What came before the hundred bullets and scalped and stuff like that, Sandman, those were luxuries. Yeah. And and yeah, I just it's a crowded market. So Oh, it's an incredibly crowded market, and I think the big two, uh, you know, part of part of their you know, part of their marketing strategy is to make it even more crowded. Um, you know But even within image. I mean, that's the oh, sad yeah. thing is, I mean, that you, you've got, you've even got image competition yep. now. Yep, yep. And, and I mean, that's the thing. No, I agree with you. And certainly, yeah, the big two are doing everything they can with reboots and, and, you know, turnover as quickly as they do to put out new titles and new number ones. But yeah, the same goes with uh, even image and stuff like that. And that's why when you were saying about trade waiting and stuff, sure. Yeah, it makes a certain amount of sense to certain audiences. But at the same time, I'm not writing for a trade. You know, I'm writing. I'm writing. I'm writing for the monthly reader, uh, and <clears throat> and we're trying to we're trying to put out a package that you know that that supports that audience. You know, when, when you pick up Lazarus, you are getting you know you're getting 32 pages of content. Yep. Um, yeah, we covered a couple. Yeah, and we work literally. We work very very hard on that. And, and the same thing, uh, and the same thing with Black Magic. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting place to be. Lazarus Twenty One is the end of uh, the fourth arc. It's the end of Poison, uh-huh. and it's a really good breaking point. And we are having a very serious discussion as to whether or not. Again, we're in for a long break after that. Um, the issue will come out at the end of December right now. And that means the trade will be in February, which in theory means we should be back in April. But wow, okay, really? Yeah, go on. But but um, <laughs> we're thinking we may we've got something planned for April. We're thinking okay. that what we may do is we may go. This was an appropriate place to sort of end this first volume and come back with a new number one in May or June, and. I'll be, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest about this. I have spoken to people who, and, and people, you know, professionals in the industry who I have incredible respect for, their experience and their knowledge, who say that's absolutely the thing to do. I've spoken to some retailers who say that's the thing to do. Um, and I've spoken to others who are like, you know, that's a game of inherently diminishing returns. Uh, and I see both points, you know. Uh, I don't know what the right thing to do is. The other thing in particular with Lazarus 
is that it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the easiest story. I mean, this is obviously, yeah. I mean, this is this is not yeah. this is not to pat myself on the back, but it, it, it's there's some fairly complex stuff going on there. There are a lot of there are a lot of moving pieces, and there are a lot of gears meshing, and that makes it difficult, I think, for people to come on board. Um, one of the things that a number one does, if you do it well, is allow people an easy point of entree. Right. You know, right. you say you can come in and, and you know what you need to know. And now if you want to go back and see other stuff, you can. But but at least from this point forward, you're covered. So, like I said, we're, we're, we're actually having that discussion right now. And I honestly don't know what we're going to do. But we're going to have to make a decision pretty pretty quickly. Uh, because, you know, the book's got to be prepped soon. I understand. And that, I mean, it's, it's an amazingly great story. I, I, it, and, and again, it, it succeeds as a magazine and it succeeds as a trade. And I, am, I understand your, your frustration and I hope you're able, you are able to work it out. I, you know, I think this, and it's funny cause I just talked to Alex DeCampi about this mm-hmm. and it's likely going to be the episode before your episode. Um, no, there are certain people out there that are using image to truly do novels, graphic novels, and emphasis on novels. And you're one of them. You guys are, are a team that are doing that with Lazarus. I think Chaikin and, and Fraction oh, with yeah. Satellite Sam. Obviously, uh, the Jasons, Aaron yeah, and, uh, and Latour with Southern Bastards. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I, and, and certainly Jason and, and Gara did it with, with Scalp, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, and, and Azarello and, and Riso. I mean, these are real novels. Yeah. And and it's um, but even more so, I think scalped moving forward because I even think you know guys like Brian could kind of make really t- tidy arcs that could stand on their own. Yeah, and it was more of a old fashioned television show. These are like the HBO shows. Yeah, yeah. Where each you know there you know it's and and I can understand that. So yeah, I I guess you are going to kind of have to set up some sort of you know yeah like you said entry n- uh, number one. That doesn't take away anything that's obviously happened so far, because yeah, it's a great it, Jesus. It's a great story, and it's uh, it, yeah, I, I'm blown away. I, it's fun. Well, let's hope, let's hope you'll continue to feel that way. I will say I'm really, really proud of um, of Poison, and I think issue 21 is going to. Uh, if you've been, you know, people who have been following it are, are going to get a big payoff in 21. Um, they're going to get a big payoff. So that's excellent. No, no, that's that's really great. It's um, yeah, I uh, no, I, I love the soap opera within the family, and uh, you know, certainly the events that happened at the end of uh, book three, and I forget the title of the arc. Uh, Conclave. Conclave. Yeah, of course it was Conclave. Shame on me. Exactly. Yep. Given what happens and everything. Yep. No, that was great, man. It was very. Uh, you. It's it's everything at once. It's it's Roman politics mixed with the Sopranos. With uh, the yakuza, and you know, I mean, uh, all rolled into one. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's pretty messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with that. Well, you know, and also the uh, just every you know, God, I, I love I love where it's going. I, I you know, I thought the dissection of uh, Jonah. Yeah, I mean, you know, poor Jonah, poor poor Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't think you'd feel any sympathy for it at the beginning of the story, and. Uh, but Jonah is really, he's a very interesting character to me. And he's got a long story. You know, he's got a long way to go still. And um, 
I'm looking forward to being able to tell that. Uh, there, there's, yeah, there's, there's more Jonah coming. Well, obviously, yeah, given his, <laughs> his, his exit, yes. the way, you know, and the, and the, and the way that, uh, you know, uh, forever was able to, uh, facilitate. No, that was terrific. And, um, and yeah, now Jesus, I mean, I, at first I thought for sure that, uh, Carlisle was dead. Yeah. It's kind of cool that he's, no, he's hanging on and, uh, and it's, you know, what's developed since in poison and everything. Yeah. Really interesting, uh, turn of events. Well, one of, and yeah, I, I, you know, in terms of where you're going to leave it at 21, I can only wonder. Yeah, no. One of the fun things about Poison is it was sort of the fir- it's the first arc where all of our moving parts uh, now came into play. Um, now you see everything sort of in motion, and and you see like everything that we've been building uh, has you see now how it fits and 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 right. why we were doing what we were doing. I think so. You know, I'm I'm my my. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I have no concerns about the, the health of the story. You know? <laughs> oh, no, I, I get that. No, no. Well, but yeah, like, where is the audience? I mean, is, has the audience softened? Is it, you know, oh, I think, as you said, they're kind of leaning on trades now more than the monthlies? Yeah, um, I think. And I think that, uh, you know, I think books self-select. And I think 20 issues in, you've pretty much done your self-selection at this point. Um, you know, at a certain point, you will perhaps engage, you'll hit, I think, I think there's a critical mass that you can hit where, uh, enough is out there that you start to gain, uh, you, you can, you can gain a new audience, but I think where we are right now is, is it, it is stabilized. Um, and the thing is, you know, retailers are going to order what they think they can sell. Um, and if, you know, they ordered 10 and they moved six and they left four on the stands, well, you know, they're going to drop that order to eight next time around. Right. And you can't blame them. You know, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to watch their bottom line. And I don't think we've made it, frankly, on our end, I don't think we've made it a terribly easy book for people to sell. Um, and that's something that we've got to get better about doing as well. We need to be, uh, much better. I think in communicating with retailers and saying, "Look, this, this is ways you can sell it." You know, this this is this is the audience for this book. Um, and I've had conversations, you know, where some people have said, "Well, you know, I mean, I know retailers, and they they won't even try to sell it to this person because they know that you know a Miss Marvel reader is not going to read forever, you know, not going to want to read Lazarus." To which my response is, "You don't actually know that. You don't know that. You know, I'm not going to say put the book in the hands of a 12 year old, right? Right." But, yeah. you know, but to imply, well, right. But to imply that, you know, Willow's audience has no crossover to our audience is unfair to that audience. So it becomes, I think, a, a question of how, how you present it as well. And that's something that we need to, we need to consider. So, well, like I said, I mean, I, the examples I bring up, those are the kind of people that I think would like Lazarus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, but, but I guess too, the challenge is. There's there's something to be said for an arc ending and having an ending point, you know. Whereas really in Lazarus it has been okay. Now what's gonna you know you want that? I want to come back next month and yeah. see what happens next. I mean you know obviously Kirkman does it with Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. And then you know it's it's smart. You're telling you are telling one long story, and I I don't know. Do you think there needs to be more of a balance between arcs and uh, the big long story? I don't know. Um, I 
think that look, I mean, I try to write every issue in a way that will make people want to come back for the next. Sure. Right. So. Right. Um, and and every arc is built to ideally propel us further as well. Like, well, now I want to know what's happened, what's going to happen as a result of these events. So, you know, we, we know this is a long-form story. Um, mm -hmm. I think the novel analogy is a very apt one. Um, you know, you give people their chapters, and if you're doing it well, then when they finish one chapter, they want the next. Um, when all is said and done, all the chapters should form a cohesive whole that is ultimately, you know, rewarding. That that is, you know, that is at its best a, a cathartic artistic experience. Sure. So, you know, there's always been a long game plan for Lazarus. You know, like I said, Black Magic. Yeah. Um, you know, Lazarus. Say, say that again. You, you dropped that. I'm sorry. You oh, said, sorry. So, there's always a long game for for Lazarus. Go on. Yeah, and Black Magic. You know, that's that's thirty issues. Lazarus right. has always been 100 to 150 um, wow. in, in my head. It wow. could probably land at 75 if we felt we needed to do it, you know, needed to close it off sooner. Um, I can't imagine it going past 150. Uh, I think at that point I, I would end up, <sighs> unless I had a radical rethink, it would feel like I was pumping a lot of air in it to keep it going. Um, okay. But we are, you know, we are now pretty much in our first act of the story. Um, and, and we are coming to the end of that first act. Uh, and, you know, that means that things are going to, you know, things in, in the traditional three-act structure, things are going to get really goddamn hairy soon. Um, <laughs> and I do think, you know, we, like I said, we end 21. And for those people who have been with us from the start, they're going to hit 21 and their jaws ideally are going to go, but you know, that was, that was, that was, that was a payoff. <clears throat> so, okay. Um, and, and, and I say that and then now of course everybody's going to be like, Oh, that's nice. I saw that coming. I knew Malcolm was going to die anyway or whatnot, you know, and we'll see, but I, I'm not, I think we've talked about this before. I'm not a fan of trying to trick the audience. I don't like doing that. I am not, and I am not, uh, I don't have a lot of respect for those uh, writers who go out there and go, oh, they, they, they figured it out. I need to change it. I'm not, you know, the, even, <clears throat> even if we've got 16,000 people reading the book monthly, right? The odds are somebody's going to figure out what I'm going to do. And if they're talking to each other, the odds that they're going to figure out where I'm going increase exponentially. The, the question isn't about trying to provide gotcha moments. It's, it's a question of telling a story that is a story well told, that is satisfying to read. I, <clears throat> you know, it's the difference between watching The Usual Suspects and figuring out who Kaiser Soze is or not. And if you don't, then you, you know, oh, that's a lovely cherry on top of the Sunday at the end of the movie. And if you do, it's still a fantastic movie. Sure. Um, it's one of the reasons why it's, you can rewatch it, you know? So uh, we, 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 I think we collectively want the story 
well told. I think the people who need to be surprised or value the story on the basis of how how well they were tricked or whatnot, I actually think that's a, a, a vocal minority. Um, you know, and I've frankly... I've known people where you go to the movies and, and, and then, you know, after the movie they turn to you and they say, oh, I figured it out 15 minutes in. It's like, that's not the damn point. That wasn't the point. And this is the problem, incidentally, with, you know, M. Night Shyamalan. Because he's made it the point, you know? Well, and it's, it's a choice, but yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's a choice. Okay, well, that's great. So you, 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 you want to give me sleight of hand. You know, I, I appreciate good close magic as much as the next guy. The fact, here's, here's the best analogy for it, all right? You watch Ricky Jay and his 52 uh, assistants, right? Assistants, yeah. Uh-huh. And he does um, his cups and balls routine called the history lesson, right? And for everybody who's listening, if you haven't seen this, Ricky Jay and his 52 assistants. I believe that's the title of the, the stage show he did. Yeah, David Mamet. D- uh, directed associate. it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, Ricky Jay, very amazing magician, yeah. does great patter while he's doing uh, sleight of hand yeah. and, and other amazing tricks with yeah. that deck of cards, including right. like treating him like ninja, ninja stars, uh, throwing him in a watermelon. Yeah. yeah. And, cool stuff. And, and, <laughs> and watching. Absolutely. Oh, I think Ricky Jay's amazing. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, no, I'm, that's I, right. I'm filling in the details for the people who don't know what we're talking I wanna, about. I want to write something simply so I have to have, yeah, so one day I have oh, the Ricky opportunity Jay. of going to him and saying, could we hire you for a technical advisor just so I could watch you? Um, <laughs> but the thing that I love and the thing that he says about you know, when he does the history lesson, and as he says, you know, for a long time, a magician was measured by how well he did the cups and balls, right? And, and the cups and balls are exactly that, right? Three cups, and you move them around, and one ball, no ball, several balls, right? Right. And when he does it, it's, it's fantastic. You watch Penn and Teller do their version of the cups and balls, and they'll do it with three pieces of tin foil at the start, and three clear plastic cups. All right? Right. Three clear plastic cups. So in theory, <laughs> in theory, you should be able to see everything that they're doing. And if you can focus and are attentive, if you are not distracted by Pendulette's patter, right? right? If you are watching... In theory, you can, but to imply, right, that Ricky Jay's Cups and Balls is, quote-unquote, better than Penn & Teller's Cups and Balls misses the point. They're different performances. They provide different things. And, you know, the fact that that Penn and Teller are going to do it with, you know, we, we have tinfoil balls and uh, clear plastic cups doesn't diminish it. What it does instead, I think, is, is focus on the narrative in a very different way and, 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 and the satisfaction in watching it be executed. Because you watch them do it and you still have that same sense of, wow, as when, you know, when Ricky Jay hits the, 
you know, the, the, uh, what's it called? The turn, you know, at the end of his uh-huh. cups and balls. And you want to applaud because, you know, you sit there going, I should have been able to get this, you know? <laughs> so it's not, like I say, it's, it, it's far more about the journey to me. I sure. want, I want Agreed. the trip to be a good one. Um, and if the trip's a crappy one, but I tricked you at the end, you didn't necessarily make the trip worthwhile, you know? So I, I'm not, uh, I'm not in love with gotcha moments. I want, you know, if, 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 if I manage to pull a fast one and that, you know, and, and that adds to somebody's experience, great. But it is far more important to me that the story hold true, that, the logic be there that that the audience can arrive at the destination satisfied with the trip they took, um, not simply happy to be off the train at the, at the place they were trying to get. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I also think that, you know, there is, again, the old model of, say, 100 bullets, each arc could kind of stand on its own yeah. versus – you know, again, I mean, it, like you said, 150 issues. That's that's wonderfully ambitious and everything. That's great, but that is, you know, yeah, that's oh, a, that's a, it's that's a long a ride. Yeah, it's a commitment, absolutely, man. And and also, there's a difference between buying a novel, obviously, and holding it in your hand and going, okay, I know where the end of the page is, exactly. Well, as opposed to coming back every month and then also waiting several months, you know, for chapters. Absolutely, and I do think that that. That, John, is really a crucial part of it, right? Because if yeah. I give you a novel, you, you can make the decision. I'm staying up all night, right? I'm, right. I'm, Exa- well, you know that exactly like in two weeks or a month, I will finish this book. Exactly. And, <clears throat> you know, with Lazarus, you're like, well, they're putting out, <clears throat> they're putting out maybe eight a year. Yeah, man, when I'm that's, 65, I'm exactly. really going to enjoy that final issue yeah. of Lazarus. <laughs> exactly. And I think that that... That more than anything else, in all honesty, yeah, man. is is probably the strongest argument for going. Okay, let's you know, let's get in there and let's tighten this up. Let's make sure that th- <laughs> yes. because absolutely, man, you know, absolutely. Well, no, it's interesting because one of the things that does come up, and I have to you know, be honest about it, is there's an element of vanity uh, as well, which is wanting to be able to look and say, look at this, you know, long body sure. of work. But at the end of the day, all that is is ego. All that is really about is ego. And, you know, my ego can't get in the way of the story I want to tell, which is an odd thing to say, right? Because I need to be arrogant enough to believe that you should read my story, right? But at the same time, I have to be modest enough to go, well, what, what does the story need more than anything else? How do I serve this story best? Well, and also, couldn't some of these other B plots and things be served in successive novels? Like, you know, that this is your Dune, and you can have children of Dune, and what are your children of Lazarus, and you know the various, <laughs> the, you know, it was for real. You're, no, but that's what I you're way ahead of me, John. Way ahead of well, me. <laughs> well, no, but obviously, maybe that's the thing. You have set up this world and these crime families, and the way this world now operates. There is plenty of room for there to be the Lazarus universe. And to tell all of these different stories. It's funny, it's funny that you, you call them crime families because I actually – we got a letter once that said, so, you know, what's the status of organized crime? 
And, and I think my, resp- <laughs> my response they was won. they're called the 16 families. I mean, what do you, right. you know? Yeah, they won. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. It's like, it's I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You saw this it thing. Came over. You saw this thing in the news, and it was yesterday about the Koch brothers' intelligence network. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I just saw the. You no, know, the last thing I paid attention was wh- whichever Koch said, "Yeah, we're not backing anybody yet." Yeah. Well, that's that's not ever that, just yet. Yeah, that's because on. that's because the guy that we backed didn't pan was it out. Walker? Yeah. Was that Walker? Oh, Walker. I, fi- I kind of figured Walker was the test balloon. And the, yeah, and, and the only reason Walker drops out is because the Koch said, we're not funding you anymore, which, uh, which must have been a blow for Walker. But, yeah, there was this thing in the news about uh, – Tell me about their intelligence group. They, yeah. They, yeah, and that it is, a, you know, the, the hyperbolic – well, the hyperbolic headline that I read was something like, uh, you know, uh, their own shadowy CIA. Uh, but – you know, hyperbole aside, right. it's like, come on, we've got private citizens developing active intelligence to surveil their political opponents. These are private citizens, right? right? I don't understand. Surveilling their potential political opponents. Wait a damn minute. <laughs> wait, wait, what? What? That's... Uh, that is, now that's interesting because I, I believe me, I, I understand the passion, but wouldn't you say too that it's no different than corporations having? Um, you could call it a, you could call it an intelligence group. Is that any different than having a department in your corporation that is just kind of it's their job to kind of know what the competition is doing and, and investigate it as best as it can? Uh, right. Call but, that but, but, intelligence for for business purposes. Mm, but that's not what this is. That's that 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 apples right. and oranges. No, what you're describing, the appropriate analogy is called industrial espionage, and it's illegal. (laughs) Yeah. Okay? It's against the law. It's called theft. Well, I guess in ter- well, yeah, but you're taking it to the level of that. Is it? But is that, it that? that's the implication. Uh, is that's what's happening that's with this the, intelligence that's group. That's the implication here. This isn't. This isn't. So this is this their dirty. Tr- this is. Yeah, yeah. This isn't. Well, and more to the point, right? This isn't say the Sanders campaign with a dedicated staff who is monitoring, you know, RSS feeds constantly, looking for anything that comes at at, at Bernie to answer it immediately, right? Right. That's not what we're discussing here. We're discussing putting together potentially task forces, you know, individuals, however, that are funded to engage in espionage activities, right? It is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's dirty tricks. This is like Nixon with creep and everything. Yes. And that is. Okay. And, and okay. that's bad. That's. Yeah, so that's, that's that is a different. <laughs> like I said, that's a different thing. It's one thing to be going, no, we've got to, you know. We've got to pay attention to what the competition is doing. It's right. another thing to say, I'm going to go and, oh, you know, hack this server, right. you know, right. break into this person's apartment, blackmail, whatever, you know, right. wiretap right. and so on. Yeah, or, and, have, or plant people in the campaign. Exactly. So this is, like I said, the, the analogy so, here yes. isn't isn't doing due diligence and research, market research. That's not what this is, you know. It's, okay, it, I didn't read. Yeah, I, yeah. no, I, I believe you. I just didn't read the article. So yeah, I just want to make sure that yeah, that's well, no. That, I, I, and know. I'm like I said. I think you know. Is look, there proof, look, or is there a, you know, like you said, hyperbole? It, that's so exactly that's, it. It's it's hyperbolic, and and right now, 
uh, I don't know enough, so I'm not, I can't come down on it. You know, I don't. It, you know, I don't put anything past the Cokes. No, it wouldn't, I think it would surprise I, me for any for any yeah. political group to potentially. And again, it's there's a precedent. Well, it's happened before. Well, th- those guys are scary. There's. Oh scary. no, I and, and I've heard oh, yeah. I've heard some some secondhand accounts uh, that really kind of make your eyes boggle at at sort of their disconnect with the rest of. Oh, the human race, you know, like the, <laughs> just this absolute, you know, the, this is the thing. And just, and it goes across all politics. It, it's, it's across all party lines. The level at which, you know, and this is, you know, this is, this is a result of, if anything, you know, if you want to point at Citizens United, you know, this is, this is, this is the money issue now. You know, the money that is now entered into politics is such that the people who are running, almost universally, not all of them, but almost universally, are are people with access to that level of, of extreme wealth. And yet they have to present themselves as being able to speak for you and me and, you know, and, and sally down the street. And they don't have the first fucking clue what you or me or Sally down the street are going to do tomorrow. They have no idea what our lives look like. None. None. At best, they get a briefing. Right? <laughs> but the fact yeah. of the matter is, they, they are, there, there are people running who legitimately believe, what do you mean you don't have a limo to take the kids to private school? You know, it's like, what do you think? Who do you think those people are that you're driving by? You know, and this is why, incidentally, was the primary, you know, and again, the primary, the primary appeal to the electorate? Fear. Fear. We can scare you. Sure. Because I can't actually empathize with you convincingly. You know. I, 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 that, that, that's beyond, uh, that's, that's beyond us now. But what I can sure is how scare you. And then I'll capitalize on that fear. It is very distressing to me right now. The, the whole issue, you know, we're, we've got governors saying, Oh, we're not going to resettle Syrian refugees. It's like 28. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. No, it's higher. I, I think it's you. like 33 now. Oh, is it? I, I thought you said 10. That's it, why. No, I, it's, uh, it's, it's gotten, the number keeps going Oh, I going know, up. no, Illinois. Hey, Illinois is there. Thanks it's, a lot, Rounder. And no, he's a, he's a jerk for doing it, and I'll say it, because no, it's, it goes against the fiber of America. It's, it's more than that. It's ridiculous. It's, 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 you have just done exactly, never right. mind that it's immoral. Never mind that in doing so, you have abdicated any, any moral high ground. Wait, guess what? You just gave you just gave the enemy. You just let the terrorists right. win. You right. quite literally just yes. let the terrorists scare you into abandoning a fundamental principle by right. which you have been raised and live, right? And sure. that's you know. Look, you know, I'm I'm a Jew. You know. There are hey, some man, I'm real. A Greek, I'm a Greek. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Greek descendant of the Greek immigrant. Absolutely. This is, man. this is this is real. This is real tight parallels, you know. And the arguments are exactly the same. Well, we've got a whole lot of people fleeing Germany. Well, we don't want them coming here. Yep. How do we know some of them aren't Nazis? Well, mostly because yep. the Nazis are trying to kill them. That's why they left. 
well, there might be some sleepers in amongst them. You saw the thing that the Guardian, uh, a reporter from the Guardian a couple of days ago, went out and bought the exact same passport that was found outside uh, the stadium in Paris. Uh-huh. The exact same one. But, you know, that's proof. Except what we're hearing from the French authorities is actually, you know what? We just found a bunch of French nationals. Hey, guys, dumbass, listen up. Yep. yep. What's going on here is they use people with French passports. Those aren't refugees. Those are called your citizens. That's right. Dummies. Yep. And again, people, you know, oh, well, but look at France's response. They closed their borders. Yes, they did close their borders. That wasn't actually to keep people from coming in. That was to keep the network from getting out. Exactly. Yep. Right. But I'm what good. was the read? The read was, oh no, they're they're closing off the refugees. So I. Well, just, yeah, the the idiots are saying that exactly. No, well, it's I, not yeah. even not even the idiots, right? Because I think yeah, there are a lot of people who are you know, very compassionate well, you, people who looked at that and saw that playing directly in to the rhetoric that had been prepped prior, you know. And, that, and, and I don't think those people are, are – I don't impute their intelligence. They're thinking with their hearts first, and their hearts are in good places. They look at it and they go, by the God, that's wrong. You can't do that because they had been primed to think. You're closing the borders to keep people from getting in. And no, it's a security process, man. They did that to keep – you close it so that the network doesn't escape. And lo and behold – well, we had a great big shootout yesterday because that network's still alive and active yep. because it couldn't go anywhere, so it had to go to ground. So, I don't know. You know, this is, this is me. I could be so wrong. I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this and be like, my God, Ruck is an idiot. I'm no, sure several, I, I'm no, sure several people are saying that, actually. But, <laughs> but, no, but, you know, I, I remember when uh, there were the subway bombings in London. Yeah, and you had come back, and you were at Wizard Chicago at a panel, mm-hmm. and I was watching you, and you said it was great to see these World War II bet- vets get really angry. And go, you know, I've been bombed by bigger people than you. Mm-hmm. You don't scare me, mm-hmm. and that's the attitude of France, and should be the attitude of of the United States yeah. in terms of yeah, we can handle this, and by the way, we can also be gracious and help these poor people yeah. that need. Need refuge. I mean, it's it's that basic. Well, and, it's that decent, and and it's an incredibly American. And it is so easy to shout down these people who disagree and feel that we should close the borders. And I'm proud of the president because he got it. And like, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, because he called it for what it was, which is this is yep. bullshit. Yes, it is, it is bullshit. What you're doing is you're scoring. You're you're shooting for cheap political points on the basis of fear again. Yep, we're gonna. Yep. Scare and you're you. afraid of a little girl, as he said. You're yeah. afraid of a three-year. You're afraid of a three-year-old orphan. Yeah. I don't. That doesn't sound very tough. And I and I love it because it's true. I'm getting tired of uh, that side kind of just you know poking without any. Again, just like uh, they they're tough on Putin, but not tough on CNBC, or mm-hmm. they can't handle CNBC. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they, don't, don't ask us any substantive questions. Oh my God, the press might not be the press might not be in our pocket. They might be hostile. <laughs> Guess what? That's the press's fucking job. Yeah, Except, once again, what happened? Oh, well, there's money involved, so we're going to change the rules just because you guys asked, because we don't want you guys to not show up. 
because these debates are getting enormous ratings because it's watching it's watching it's like watching a clown car drive into a dumpster fire you know i said yeah, to him, hey, did you watch did you watch the debates i'm like no there is no point in watching a debate right now there is no point in watching uh, a debate other right than now. other than the theater as exactly the and, and and frankly that's, that's how i do you know well and my blood pressure is such where it's like yeah you know what i don't need that <laughs> I, I really don't. I don't need to sit there and scream at the TV. You know, the one thing, and I, and I, I, I don't like this about myself, but my intolerance for stupidity has gotten worse the older I get. I and to see people being deliberately stupid to the United States public, and I would love, I mean, there is a piece of me that really just hopes that we're proved, all of us are proved wrong, by these ratings and what it turns out is that everybody was just watching it like they were watching, you know, a, a reality show. And they were like, okay, yeah, now the time for me to actually make a decision is here. And I can, I'm going to forget about that stuff because that was entertainment. That was an information, that'll right? That'll be our winter. That'll, that'll, that'll be our winter. Yeah. We'll see what happens in 2016. Yeah. I, I understand. Cause no, well, again, this is what, this is why it's called silly season. And I agree. And it does. Yeah. I'm a little more concerned that, it seems like silly season's lasting a little bit longer than it did back in twelve. Well, it's making more money. Yeah, and that too. What, I mean, look, that's the, that, that, look, John, and I really this is something else that I've come to absolutely believe. It all comes down to money. That's what Lazarus well, sure. is about. It right. all comes down. Ah, there we go. It, <laughs> we pulled it back. It yeah, is about that. It right. all comes, oh, you're right about that. It all comes back to who's making money. And the amounts of money that they're making are astronomical. Uh, they're so far beyond the conception of you or me or people who think of themselves as rich. You have $10 million, you're not one of them. You have $50 million, you're not one of them. You have $100 million, you're not one of them. You can have $100 million, you're not one of these people. Think about it's that. Yeah, it's Chris Rock's rich versus wealthy yeah, it uh, is, argument. It, yeah. It's... it's it's the it's the ultra, you know. I mean, they're referred to as, as the ultra wealthy. They are the point zero one percent. Right. You know, these are people who, you know, I mean, these are people who are like, you know what? Let's take the Lear tomorrow, right? Because I'd like to take the yacht today. You know, I. And that's that is. That's the scariest thing to me right now because that's not getting better at all it's getting worse we started lazarus you know and the forbes uh or i guess the oxfam report was something like i think when i started it was something like 144 individuals controlled three quarters of the world's wealth the last time i saw it the number had dropped to something like 60 individuals now controlled the equivalent wealth of 99 percent of the population the number keeps dropping Fewer and fewer people have more and more. And these are names nobody knows. These are names nobody's ever heard of. You know, we, we, we know maybe five, ten of these people. You know, but unless you actually go to Forbes and you check their lists, they're people you've never heard of. Most people don't know who Carlos Slim is. You know, they know right. who Bill Gates is. Right. Right. They know of the Koch brothers, but they probably can't name them 
or tell you how many there are. Charles and David, there's four. <laughs> two active ones. You got well, only two that we hear about. Right, um, right. I, you know, and it's uh, it's that usual. I didn't read the book, but I heard an interview about the book, and the author said. But I heard, I, I did hear the guy on Fresh Air that wrote the uh, book about the Koch brothers, mm-hmm. and there, right, four of them, I believe. And uh, you know, and no, we know. Of. Yeah, well, we can we, <laughs> let's talk about that. Oh, that's a whole other thing. So yeah, exactly. we should we should probably talk about comics now that everybody's tuned us out. <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do a pause when you edit this. And you say, uh, for those of you who actually want to hear about comics, come back at minute 58. You know, <laughs> Rucka wouldn't no, shut up for the next half an no, hour no, about no, political no, instability. We got, I, I did that thing I do when I talked to Greg on debriefs, and he went off, and I was able <laughs> to reel him in. And so now you guys, everybody can come back into the room now. Let's talk about Star Wars now or something. So, sorry, right, take your meds. Yeah, take, your yeah, meds. take my meds. I've got to take my meds. <laughs> Down here, mainlining coffee. Somewhere, I know Bendis is going to hear this, right? And next time I see him, he's going to point and laugh his ass off at me. <laughs> you know? No, but I share your politics, man, and I understand uh, you're better. Re- you're better read than I am, as always. But uh, but I uh, and I love that because not, I'm Lazarus. I'm not not as much as I used to be. I mean, I seriously hit a point, and it was it was prior to my dad's passing. But it there are times when it is so hard to stay informed, it becomes fatiguing. Sure. And it becomes, in many cases, painful. It's hard to get up in the morning and to listen to the news. And to be like, well, Jesus Christ, you know, it had, how many people died? So I said, what, you know, Syria, oh my God. Right. You know, Syria is not, this isn't a new problem. You know, this, this was not, this did not come out of the blue. Right. So, eh. No, so, I yeah, understand let's, it. You let's know. talk about, you know, you know seriously, this, like, you want to talk about Lazarus and TV? You know, what do you want to talk about, John? <laughs> well, no, we I, uh, we can continue. I wanted to know, uh, I, well, like I said, I, I Lazarus, I think, is is great, and it's interesting to see what will be coming in 21. And uh, when you when you come back in April, we'll see. That's yeah. very interesting. Okay, so expect a, expect a little break from Lazarus yeah. then. Okay. Well, I mean that that is sort of the standard trade cycle break, right? Because you right. we end an arc, there's a month off, that's January. Trade February, month off uh, March. Okay. Issue April. The issue in April is actually going to be something we're calling the Lazarus source book, Carlisle. And it's actually going to be um, it's sort of like we, we wanted to do something that was kind of like those handbooks to the Marvel universe kind of half artifacty, but also provide like, so here's some stuff, you know, here's, here's information about the world that has been hinted at. Here's further stuff. Here are bios of some of the characters. Here are characters you've seen. We're giving you more information about here are characters you've never heard of. Here's stuff, you know, here's, here's how the post works. Here's how the military works. This is where it came out of and things like that. Um, and that to sort of serve as a primer, if nothing else for the next <clears throat> the next story arc. Um, is, is Troutman going to be Troutman's your oh, production is, guy? That obviously this is, like, is going to be Troutman and me and David Brothers and a couple other guys uh, that I've sort of reached out to and been like, hey, you want to do a piece? One of the um, there are these two fellows in, uh, in in Australia who have been writing these incredibly scholarly, you know, critical analyses on nerd span of each issue of Lazarus. 
um, uh, named, named Walker and McKenzie. And I got to meet them uh, when I was in Brisbane. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, no. And, and they're, they, they're of that level of smart where you sit down with them and then you go, oh, Christ, I'm, I better be able to hold my own here. You know? <laughs> and, and I mean, just really very, very smart guys. And um, one of them actually turned to me and said, so what's the commodities market like? And I blinked at him. <laughs> and I was like, the what? Hey? He said, well, there's got to be a commodities market in this world, right? Because families need certain things from other families. I mean, they've got right. to. So right. how do they trade? I mean, there's got to be some way where even if they're all at each other's throats, there's some sort of clearinghouse for that. There's some sort of, you know, commodities market. And, sure. and I was like, that is either the most dull answer in the world, <laughs> you know, or potentially one of the coolest things we could do, you know, could sure. you, you imagine, well, I assumed, you imagine I assumed, getting that job for Carlisle and being told, right, we're sending you to uh, the commodities market location as part of the Carlisle team. All the other families have teams there. So everybody's always trying to get one up on the other. So it's like, it's literally cutthroat floor yelling you know I mean, it's, right it's yeah it's the stuff it's the stock market pits with weapons exactly you know it's like what do they do yeah. do they get down there and they're like all right you know i i if if you sell That's me, my opening bid for coffee exactly i'm gonna you know i don't kill you if you ship me lima beans you know I don't, right. well so, that's what i was gonna say d'souza in in south america they're in, they're controlling coffee yeah i mean i'm looking at the families right now yeah. all right, you know why not yeah. so you know yeah, we need uh, we need our coffee. Yeah, I mean, so you know, so yeah, we're Car Hager. Car Hager is doing tea. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, and uh, and 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 other things, you know, because look at the mineral wealth, bauxite, uh, for instance. So yes, and and again, we just lost everybody. They're like, did he say bauxite? But um, what is bauxite? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just let's just say instrumental in 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 the industry. Um, ah, must be weapons, but. So, yeah, I mean, we're looking at it's going to be fun uh, and it'll probably be one of those books that either people will really love or be like, what the hell did they do here? But, you know, there's a, we, we, we've got a section on the post that we're going to do. I wrote a bit way back in the second arc in Lyft where there was a scene uh, uh, where the Barretts, the Barrett kids, Michael and, and Lee, and, uh, and Casey Solomon were all sitting around the post in the wrecked ruin of their house, you know, well, the grownups were having this conversation off to the side. And the idea was that they were watching this. The only thing still standing in the house right next to the fireplace is the post. And it's showing a TV show. It's showing one of the Carlisle shows that, you know, was about the noble Carlisle special agent working against the evil hawk uh, you know, the evil hawk uh, terrorists or whatnot. And I had okay. written yeah. a whole bit of dialogue that was coming from the post. You were never going to see it. You are just going to see these kids watching it. And it was the most cliche dialogue. It was like, you know, oh, you thought you could escape, Mr. Bond, that kind of thing. Yeah, man from <clears throat> Exactly. And um, still we're going to include scripts like that, you know, <laughs> and, and, and bios on, like, the current stars and things like that. And it'll be fun. So I, I don't know if anybody's going to read it other than those of us who write it, but it'll be a hoot. All right, so that'll be so that's what's coming out in April, yeah. and like you said, you might do an issue, a different issue, one that that's not your that wouldn't entry. be it. No, that would be that would be sort of just 
Here you yeah. go. Here's a Lazarus-y thing. And then, right, just like, well, like your Lady Saber uh, kind of extra paraphernalia and stuff. You know? Yeah, very much so. I like I'm that. You know, I, I, I do too. I, I, I've oh, always, man, that's cool. I've always loved that sort of world building. I think that's part of the reason why we're calling it a source book because that goes back to, you know, growing up on role-playing games for me. The, this is supplementary, supplemental information that builds out the world. And I, uh, you know, I dig that. I dig that. Is is, have you ever thought, given some of these things, like to make like a Lady Saber board game, or you know, wasn't there a board game? Or there were, am I nuts? Or was am I thinking of somebody else? No, there was. There was uh, when we did the Kickstarter. There was another Kickstarter running that was a game called Terramid that um, still I don't think has actually made it to delivery. Um, so as long as it took us to hit fulfillment, at least we haven't had the problems they've had. Uh, and and we sort of brushed up against them, and they did a Lady Saber uh, ship-in card, I think. I see. That we'll eventually see. And we've had, it's funny, we've had discussions about doing game, uh, sort of game supplements or game ideas for both Lady Saber and for Lazarus. I was going to say, absolutely. <clears throat> Though I think a Lazarus role-playing game, you know, that, could, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. Though there's, oh, no, a, I think, there's a piece of me that goes, look, you know, I mean, if we're selling 16,000, I don't know how many people are actually going to buy that supplement. We hit, we hit TV. It's a whole different conversation. So, sure. Yeah. So what is happening with the TV? It's moving forward. It's actually moving forward quite rapidly. Um, we've got, as of today, a pilot revision in, which is hopefully going to be the final form of the pilot script that Legendary will go out with and we will uh likely move on to writing the show bible next and the hope is to find um you know find a home you know if we put that script in front of somebody who goes oh we want to make this show and ideally somebody who says boy do we want to make this show here's a check go make 10 episodes um and and then we go and make 10 episodes uh which would be wonderful so uh, you know, I've had a lot of um, I've had a lot of romances with Hollywood over the years, uh, some more successful than others. Um, none of them have been an experience quite like this. Um, really? Yeah. There's there is a uh, there is a focus and a direction and an investment uh, on the part of everybody that you know Michael and I are working with that. You know, I, I just I've never experienced before. So, you know, I'm certainly not gonna I'm not gonna make any bets. It's it's a long, long way from pilot to actually shooting a pilot to actually getting the order to actually getting on the air. But all that said, I'm I'm about as optimistic about this as I've ever been about anything uh, in dealing with Hollywood. You know, and and terrific. Yeah, I um. I'm very, very, very happy uh, with everybody we're working with, with the decisions that have been made. Um, there has been a commitment to, you know, really preserving the the heart of the book um, and and really maintaining that. That is heartening. You know, nobody's gone in and said, "Does forever have to be a girl?" You know, I mean, we're not. We haven't had anything like that. Uh, so, 
No, I'm, I'm uh, like I say, I'm, I'm as optimistic about this as, as, as I've ever been about anything uh, relating to Hollywood. Now, as I said, still a long way. Sure. But I live in hope. Well, I, I, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting time. I wonder how long it's going to stay the way that it currently is with all of these platforms. I, you're, you're a Star Trek fan, aren't you? Uh-huh. CBS has its platform now, and they're going to force all the Star Trek people to watch, watch that. You know, I don't, I don't know when this bubble bursts. Where, like, right now, there is I such a bonanza of ideas. <laughs> I don't think it does. Really? burst. Yeah. Really? I don't think it does burst. I think this is the new model. Um, I, I do, but I don't know if all of these channels are going to survive. No, I don't think they are. <clears throat> I think you're going to see some succeed, and I think you're going to see many fail, and I think you're going to see different models. I think you're going to start seeing aggregators is probably going to be the next. The next system, right? Because well, are we at that point now anyway with aggregators? I mean, we kind of are, don't you think? Netflix and Hulu kind of are, right? Except Netflix isn't going to run Amazon stuff, right? Well, and even the initial deals that Hulu made with Fox and ABC, you see what CBS is doing. You know, eventually Fox and ABC will do the same. Well, and and you know, I mean, we've got what do we? Have? We've got an Apple TV, you know, and everybody's right. got their own little. Yeah, we've got HBO and I've got Showtime, I've got ABC, I've got Disney, I've got Disney XD, I've got Disney Junior, I've got PBS. Eventually, that bifurcation is, I think, going to have to reassemble in some way. Because what's going to happen is you're going to exhaust the, the money pool. You know, it's it's going to be people going. You know what? As much as I love Star Trek, I cannot take that on on top of X, Y, Z, A, B, and C. So something's got to give, right? And right. so so perhaps, and this is me just speculating. You know, the next phase will be whoever manages to come up with the model that says, you know, we're going to get, you know, here's column A Netflix and column B Amazon Prime and column C Hulu and column D Yahoo. And, call him E Sony and we're going to mix and match them. <clears throat> I think, I think you're going to start seeing, well, potentially you're going to see things like, you know, uh, Xbox or Sony, for instance, you know, using their consoles, which is really what the Apple TV is now trying to do. Sure. <clears throat> Roku. Yeah. Uh, the, you're going to see perhaps them starting to provide overall deals. So that it'll be like, okay, for this amount, you get access to all of these services, right? And that'll be the beginning of, of I think, that that attempt to unify it. Because right now, it's so separate. And the cost is going to add up. You know, as you said, well, I'm paying $7.99 a month for this, and I'm paying $7.99 a month for this, and I'm paying 10 for this. You know, well, guess what? Uh, or I could be paying that much for cable. Exactly. Um, and then at that point, well, guess what? <clears throat> people are going to say, "Hey, wait a minute." So, well, that's what I mean. I mean, and, and, and or you're right, or it will both devolve, and Comcast will devolve into more of an a la carte service yeah. to compete with whatever aggregator shows up on the streaming side. Yeah. But right now, I mean, that just sounds like you know, uh, cable versus son of cable, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, it's cable without the cable, basically. So I don't know. I think that <clears throat> one of the things we see is that you know, so many of these things. Again, we're back to the money conversation, right? Because 
you know. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. They're like shitting out a ton of money for these shows, and I don't know how many of them are actually going to be able to, you know, pay for themselves with. Right. So what is what is ABC slash Disney do? Right. Well, ABC slash Disney is going to go. Okay. Guess what? Now for a flat fee, you're going to get access to all of this content. Right. And for an extra five dollars, we'll throw in all of ESPN. All right. right. Well, now we've just right. bought that. Okay. So then it's going to become a question of all right. Who looks around and says, ooh, quick, buy Yahoo, you know, and bring that under our umbrella. And again, eventually this big pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller and compressed and compressed and compressed. So Netflix as its own entity eventually ceases to exist and becomes Netflix slash WB. You know right. what I mean? Right. So that's, that's a possible iteration of it. Um, you know, the, the nature of the nature of that beast is that it's always eating, you know, it's always consuming. It's always looking for more money. Where are we going to get more? Where, what are we going to gobble up? So, yeah, we're back to the politics again, because there's, you know, uh, it's only six real media companies worldwide. Yep. As far as, you know, big ones, the, the giant ones and stuff that could possibly like control said, you know, exactly. So, and they're not going to, I mean, simply it's just a business model, right? They're going to look at the, they're going to attempt always to be ahead of the competition. That means that they're going to acquire everything they can to do that, to get that edge. Sure. So, yeah. I saw that, I saw that the guy who, I want to say, wasn't it the guy who runs CW was saying, you know, hey, we shouldn't give these, you know, shows to Netflix right away. Let's wait a couple of years. Kind of what HBO, I think, smartly did. Yeah. In terms of you know what's available on Amazon Prime versus what's available on HBO Go, mm-hmm. you know, and and also to well, in some ways, I think the CW guy was even saying to kind of let ca- extend cable's life by another five years. And or I think whatever. well, and you can do that, but cable's on life support. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. So well, yeah, again, it's putting programming that is only available on cable and not available on some of these streaming right. things. But eventually, the problem is that okay, so fine. Because <clears throat> people have discovered an interesting patience, I think, right? Because we have our binge watchers now, and then we have our episodic watchers. We've got people who are more than happy to wait, you know, eight months, twelve months for the, you know, for the DVD box set. You know, we've got, yeah. and and that's not even discussing a thriving piracy community, right? You know, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we're we're we're, we're going to see a shift. All this as it relates to Lazarus, I don't know. You know, I think that I think I think that Lazarus as a TV show is going to be best served as a premium service show. Um, sure. <clears throat> but I don't think anybody is is looking at it specifically as a network show. Um, I know that <clears throat> you know. I know that if if we were to land you know someplace like you know Amazon or or, or Hulu, uh, I, I would be very happy. So, uh, have you watched uh, the first two episodes of uh, Man in the High Castle? I have not. I watched. Um, I watched Bosch. Um, Bosch is good. I Bosch thought it was good. well. It was interesting. I I found it somewhat frustrating. Honestly, I thought it was in, just beautifully made. Right, they, you could see every penny of the production. Yep, and it was beautifully performed. I remember sitting there and watching the you know the first couple episodes and go oh Eric Overmeyer is writing this hot damn and it didn't have any of the Overmeyer snap 
it, it wasn't. What else has he written? I don't know, Eric. Eric Overmeyer began as a playwright. He wrote. Uh, I first encountered him as a, a playwright. A wonderful play called On the Verge, and um, he moved into television. I think writing for Homicide: Life on the Street. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then you know fell into that. You know David Simon. Uh, coterie and, and, and I think was on the wire as well and he's you know just a wonderful wordsmith just beautiful beautiful dialogue you know and really just crisp and I remember watching like the first two three episodes of Bosch and being like that's not here you know I thought that like I said the performance is fantastic it's it's beautifully done but I kind of was like I, I'm, it, I, want it, he, I want it to be a little more Bosch? Is he the boss showrunner, or is he just a I think, writer? I think boss? I think he was the showrunner. He was okay. the showrunner. I think I think he and Connolly were working pretty hand in glove. So, okay. but you know, again, a lot of times I think you see, especially, uh, especially with with these sort of streaming services creations, you know, there's they got to work out some kinks. You know, they're still they're still finding their way. So. I, well, I, I, you know, I think it depends. I mean, like House, you know, House of Cards. Obviously, I think out of the gate, Orange is the New Black, out of the gate. Yeah. Um, Some of these hit really Lilla, well. Lilla Hammer, yeah, Lilla Hammer. Obviously, yeah. I think it, you know, I, I appreciated it, but yeah, that's how I felt about Lilla Hammer. Was I like the idea of it? I like what I see in terms of production values, but something's missing. Yeah. It and, wasn't quite, uh, what, not quite right. So you know, it's okay. It's yeah. it, it it is. One of the things that these things, one of the things that you know, Amazon's and 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 Hulu's and 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 Netflix's can do is they've got the capital; they can take the risks um, in a way Today. that, yeah, in in a way that network absolutely can't. Right? Network goes right. either either it hits or we cancel it. And you saw that study. I'm sure you saw the study that Netflix released, and it was like, <clears throat> at what point do people start really investing in shows? And the main if there was a specific episode, it was normally around the third episode sure. that people were in. And if you look, <clears throat> again, at dramatic structure, what's the third episode in most of these things? That's normally the end of the first act. That's normally the hook point. Right, yeah, in a 10-episode uh, Yeah, story. roughly Absolutely. 10 to 13s. So sure. It's, sure. It's, it's very interesting to see. If you're not going to give these... And I suppose this goes across all medium, you know. People want a sort of instant return. And yeah. this is the, and this goes to comics, too. I've seen this review so many times. You know, oh, I read this issue, but it didn't answer these questions. It's like, yes, because it was 20 pages. Right. Dude, and it's issue two of exactly. the, it's issue it's, two of a six-issue uh, story. story arc. Exactly. And, and, yep. and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry that we didn't tell you who did it at the beginning of the mystery, but we're not writing Columbo. <laughs> You know, um, I mean, sometimes, man, you read these things and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? No, I That's not a valid criticism, you know. <clears throat> but I do think, like you were saying, too, there really is this instant gratification thing. Because Brian and I were talking about this on our last marathon where Brian's like, you know, I, you know, sometimes it does take. Uh, you know, four issues or whatever, like you just said about Black Magic. Yeah. That, you know, hey, wait till you know there's something big coming in the first year that's going to be an oh shit moment. Well, obviously, it's not going to happen in issue one or two. You got it. So, so, but then again, this is a crowded field, so it is important 
to make sure that every issue, and I know you guys do try to make every issue count and matter and come back to and stuff, but that's the thing. you got to really, like, in those first four issues or whatever, you know, leading up to that first arc, yeah, it's got to be compelling because there is so much other competition. Yeah, you're, and it, you're, you know, hoping, you're hoping to buy an investment in a certain amount of trust, right? If I am delivering, at least in a positive fashion, in some way that is entertaining, is in some way fulfilling, right, then ideally i have bought enough good goodwill sure. that you know that you'll you'll give us more rope you know and then you'll either go oh look they they made a lovely macrame hang you know plant hanger out of it or they made a noose you know it'll be <laughs> one or the other uh, and and we hope for the we hope for macrame and and sometimes we end up with a noose um, but i'm you know i think that, i don't think that's a new problem I think perhaps the audience has become more impatient in 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 certain areas. But the stories have also gotten longer. Yeah, ironically, perhaps. Um, I mean, that's well. I mean, that's we, the thing. We go, you, know, you used to have two issue stories, three issue stories, right? And and we used to have done in ones and so on. But I think absolutely, and 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 we still do have those things. But I think that there's also, you know, we've we've always had novels. You know what I mean? We've always had long form. So, you know, the Odyssey is not a short poem. You know what I mean? The Iliad isn't, the Iliad wasn't something that you heard in one night. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. But again, this, like we were saying, you could buy a novel and see the end of it. Right. But if you're buying this in serialized form. Right. But way back in the day, you couldn't sit down and get all of the Iliad in one night. That was a, that was a multi-day, sometime multi-week experience was it i have no idea how you how, know if you, uh, if you look at, however if you, initially if, you like got it out if there. you look at if you look at epic poems right these aren't things that were written these were things that were recited true and it was not going to be a guy standing there for 12 hours straight and you sitting there it Come was back next week to see exactly if and if he's <laughs> and if he's moving around then you're waiting for the next part so i think you know i'm not i'm i'm, I'm still not I'm not entirely sold that we are damning ourselves with our lengths. I think the story needs to be as long as it needs to be. Um, I think that there's a valid argument that says you shouldn't inflate, you know, to, to fill space, obviously, you know, because nobody wants dead air and the audience knows when you're padding. Um, but by the same token, the audience knows when you've rushed. Uh, and and part of our problem is the audience is incredibly sophisticated. That's something that I do feel is something that I've seen change in my lifetime. Is that we've got in television, in in in, <clears throat> in film. I mean, across the board, the audience has become so much more sophisticated that they no longer will grant certain things on faith. Um, they will not grant that you know, a meet cute leads to undying love in a page of comics. You know, they're just not going to buy it. They're not going to accept that relationship. You've got to put something to it um, and let it, you know, let it breathe uh, and let people invest in it and then run with that investment. So I, I don't know, you know, I, I worry uh, you know, look, I'm always analyzing what I'm doing. 
Um, I'm always trying to figure out, is there a way to do this that will be better? Is there a way that's going to be more effective? But I think, especially when we're talking about comics that are not perpetual, you know, that are not the Batmans and the Spider-Mans and so on, you know, one of the luxuries of being able to do something like Black Magic or Lazarus is that it has an end. You know, I'm not looking to do this. I'm not looking to do this so, you know, my daughter will take over writing when I go. Right. <clears throat> you know, this is this is a story that I, I intend to conclude. Um, and at the end of the day, and perhaps to my detriment, that always comes back to the question of, all right, so what's the best way? to tell that story, you know, and that's what I'm going to be beholden to far more perhaps than I should be, uh, as compared to say the needs or the perceived needs of the market. And I don't know what the market does anymore. I, I, I never have, I've never been very good that way. You know, like I said, there, there are many, uh, people in this industry that I have incredible respect for, and one of the many things I, I, I respect them for doing is, uh, is studying not just their craft, but, but the aspects of their craft that include the market. And I'm not good at that. Um, and, you know, even, even at my age now, there's still enough of me that that resolutely believes in in, uh, in in a meritocracy, even though I know better, uh, that that wants to persist in in the faith that if the work is good, it will, yeah, it will it will win out. I have been that's demonstrably wrong, mind you. I mean, I know it. I think. You know. Well, it's not a yeah, but it's not a sprint either. So, I mean, I do think that you're, you know, you've been around long enough that I do think that you, and especially as you gather more of an audience and stuff like that, they will likely come back to things that maybe didn't work out when they first came out. Yeah, yeah. you know, and find them yeah. and stuff. No, I think that about a lot of you guys. I think Remender is, I think, experiencing that, and I think, uh, you know, Fraction has his early stuff and everything that I'm sure we'll get a second read. Yeah. No, no, I think I think this is good, and I also think that um, I want. I wonder too, given the way you came into comics with No Man's Land and stuff like that, that you went into kind of a big novel kind of storytelling experience from from the get go and everything. Yeah, like that. and I'm sure that that has had a, a, a deep, a deep seated sort of rewriting of my DNA about you know what what can work in a comic and what can't. And you, you talk about No Man's Land, and I think of Fifty Two. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, yes. fifty-two, as far as I'm concerned, is a novel. Absolutely. Um, and is ten years coming up on fifty-two? Um, I think it'll be twenty seventeen, it right? Is it? Oh, is it? Was it oh seven? I think it's either a six or a seven. I'm gonna look that up while we're talking. Yeah, I am. Now I am too. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting old, John. Ah. Well, that's well, that's the thing. I, re you know, really, that was kind of. Um, my second year in Word Balloon that I think we were talking about 52. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so, that was a no, while ago. Yeah, it was. Well, I, oh, you know, I may, I have to ask, and it's okay. I don't, I'll don't. i be very interested in your answer, and you say what you want, obviously, as you always do. Yeah. What do you? Uh, have you watched Gotham, and what do you think? I have not watched Gotham. 
Um, Do you plan to ever watch Gotham? No, not really. I don't. I don't have a. <laughs> okay. I don't have. I don't have a lot of interest in it. Um, okay. I'm not interested in that. That take on the Batman mythology, and I think that. Uh, I, I think that. You know, it's it. Clearly, there are people who love it, um, and clearly there are people who hate it. Um, I have no opinion on it, having not seen it. I tend not to put myself in front of things I suspect I will have uh, issues with. And I worked on Batman for a very long time. And Batman's always going to have a very, you know, very special place in, in, in my soul. And... There are, and, 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 and so I don't see any reason really to, you know, I could quite possibly love it if I saw it, but my suspicion is I wouldn't. So why, you know, why do that to myself and why be unfair to it? I have my biases and I, and I know them. Um, and, and I think a, one of those biases is, um, <clears throat> attempting to tell a Batman story that is pre-Batman. Um, and that so radically alters the mythology that it has to go into fits and contortions to make it work because it does, right? It changes the fundamental nature of Batman. If, uh, we're saying, Oh no, everybody was there before he showed up on the scene. Um, everything is different there. The Gordon is the cop, you know, from the beginning and so on and so forth. And I think the I have a suspicion that what happened was they went to Fox and they said, so we have this idea for a show, it's called Gotham Central. Right. And some executive at Fox said, oh, this is a terrific idea. And it went up the chain and then somebody very high up said, wait a minute, we're getting a Batman show, but there's no Batman in it? Why the hell would we do that? Which is not uh, an unreasonable question for an executive to ask if you think about it. Sure. And I suspect what happened there was that it went back to the people who were putting it together. And they said, well, we can't do it because Batman is, you know, it's not going to be a Batman show. We're doing Batman movies and, and that's, you can't have Batman. And they said, well, if we can't have Batman, you need to give us everything but. And that's how you got Gotham. You know, Gotham is, right. Gotham is, from everything I know about the show, it's everything but Batman. Right. And... Yeah, it is. And and if you do that, then you, you kind of put yourself into a hole, um, I think. But again, that's you know that's my take on it. Um, have you watched uh, Flash or uh, Arrow? No, uh, but that's more because I just don't have the time. Um, okay. My my son uh, has watched both religiously and you know loves them, um, and I have heard. In particular, nothing but good things about Flash. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like Flash more than I like Arrow. I have to say, though, Arrow has been a very interesting Batman substitute mm-hmm. in the best way, as Green Arrow was from its inception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, look, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be really blunt here. My interest in most superhero stuff right now is very low. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm suffering from superhero fatigue on multiple levels. Um, I appreciate that. And, and, it, and it's got nothing to do with the quality of it, right? Uh, I mean, it, it could be brilliant. 
but that's just not really where my interest is right now. Um, it, 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 I, I'm more interested in, in, you know, occasionally being able to dip in that pool if the story is right and the character is right. But as you have with Cyclops, and yeah, and Cyclops was a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's not it's not where I am right now, and consequently, my interest in it is pretty low. Um, it's pretty low. I've just I have no interest in seeing a Batman versus Superman movie. I don't, and it could be brilliant, but I just I don't want to see it. I don't care. Um, I care about The Force Awakens. That I want to see. Well, and I was going to ask about that as well. So how did you enjoy your uh, your prequel miniseries? Oh, my. Uh, um, let's see. Let's I, see. I wrote, I wrote Smuggler's Run, right, which was a quote-unquote middle reader, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca story set right after uh, the original movie. Uh, oh, where was that at? I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah, was that a Marvel? Was no, a Marvel no, no. It's a, it's it's an actual book. It's called. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's man. called Smuggler's Run. It was part of this initiative called Journey to the Force Awakens. Um, came out at the beginning of September. I've got another one uh, that'll be coming out on December eighteenth, day and date with the movie called uh, Before the Awakening. That is, uh, again, middle reader. Uh, it's three stories, one about Ray, one about Finn, one about Poe. Um, and then, yeah, I got to do Shattered Empire uh, for Marvel. And, you know, I've, it's Star Wars, man. I mean, I got, I, I, got the right, I got the right things that Han Solo said. You yeah, know, I got, the, I got the right stuff where Luke had a lightsaber. Yeah, he did. Come on, you know. <laughs> How cool is that? The, you know, that... The, the, the seven-year-old me is just, you know, he still hasn't found the shit that he lost when he got the job. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, this is, this is, this is uh, mythology that is so fundamental to who I am and to how I grew up. Um, it was... I mean, it's a dream to get to work on things like that. And I mean, when I think about it, you know, when I really do think about it, like, come on, how fortunate am I? I've gotten to work on pretty much every major current Western mythology. You know, I've, I've, I've written Batman, I've written Spider-Man, I've written Superman, I've written Wonder Woman. I've gotten now to write Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, you know, and... I've gotten now to write these three new characters that I think people are going to fall in love with. You know, when this movie comes out, I think people are going to be blown away. Um, you know, I was, I was, I, I got to go behind the curtain just enough that I could write these things with, with authority. Sure. Um, so I have an idea of what's coming. You know, I, I have a, I have a very good idea of what people are going to see on the screen. Uh, come December, and um, and I think they are going to be delighted. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. No, I'm excited, and I and I was a little nervous about your miniseries because I didn't want it to be spoiled, you know, to really spoil, and it doesn't. 
No. Because it does take place far enough in the past that, you know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I t- the Shattered Empire takes place 30 years before, you know, the, right. the new movie. Right, yeah. exactly. You're, you're, so, you're safe. You're safe. Yeah. And frankly, no, and frankly, Lucasfilm slash Disney has gone to extraordinary lengths to protect the movie. I mean, they're just not going to let anything out that, that will diminish its impact. Um, that, that was the biggest challenge in, in, in working on these things, is making certain that we were delivering on what had been promised, but uh, were not in any way sort of infringing on, what, what, uh, on the promise of what The Force Awakens is going to be. And your book comes out the same day that the movie Yeah, before The Awakening comes out the same day. So, and, and, and is, you know, and that's frankly saying something because you are not going to be able to get the, uh, you're not going to be able to get the Alan Dean Foster novelization in a bookstore that day. I'll tell you that. Because, <laughs> you know, security is so tight. You'll be able to get it digitally, but I don't think you'll be able to get the print version for at least a couple weeks after the, until, uh, for a couple weeks after the movie's been out. You know, I didn't realize. Is he writing the novelization? Yes. Of the, of the yes I didn't he realize is. that because I remember. Who else? I was thinking who else would? Exactly. <laughs> Splinter, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Did he do the original novelization? Uh, the original Star Wars novelization is actually credited to George Lucas. That's what I thought. Go on. Um, so, uh, and is there a ghost? Do we know who ghosted it? If he didn't, write I have it? no idea. Uh, okay. I suspect there are several people out there who do know the answer, and you'll get emails. Oh, sure. um, but. Uh, <laughs> But all I know is that the the, uh, the the star the original Star Wars novelization is credited to George Lucas. Right, right. Um, no, that's funny. Well, yeah, I was thinking obviously of uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yeah. So. so. Oh. And of course, he did Star Trek. Uh, novelizations. Yeah. No, they, no, they, and I think Alien. Was it the was it for Star Trek? Did he do the animated uh, adaptations? Because it was James Blish did the. Uh, I don't remember. I don't series. remember. Okay. James Blish, man, I'll tell you, I love those things. Oh, yeah. And again, this is back when we didn't have all of these ancillary, like, you know, the, the embarrassment of riches we have in animation and novelizations and, and all the different things that we get. Yeah, when those you know. things were precious. Right. Yeah. And very few. Absolutely, man. Well, that's that's why I'm, like, I will probably get this Star Trek show because I'm psyched. Yeah. I was saying, before they made the announcement, um... I'm like the best thing in the world that happened to Star Trek is, uh, you know that that uh, Disney is moving on and making new Star Wars stuff because it's like all right as soon as this final third J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie is done, you know Paramount is going to amp up and be like, okay, let's go, we've got one of these things yep. too, let's start making money. Which is which is exactly what happened last time. Yeah, yep. That was exactly what happened when Star Wars came out. They said, wait a minute, we have a sci-fi thing too. So we're we are about to enter uh, yet a new realm of, of sci-fi uh, abundance, and uh, much of it, and this is not me passing judgment on Trek or Star Wars, uh, as is the case. Much of it will be crap, and uh, some of it will be brilliant. So, did you see um, on Netflix? I just watched it a day or two ago. Chaos on the Bridge. No. Do you know about? No, this? I don't even know what that is. I imagine that William Shatner made this for a, a, a cable channel. I'm not sure, but it's an unauthorized look at the first three years of Next Generation from the creation of the series to Roddenberry's death. 
and it's not a very uh, flattering portrait of Roddenberry. Wow. But it's also it's sympathetic to the fact that he was in such poor health. Yeah. But it really is about his battles with Paramount um, and also the opportunity that Paramount was presenting him with in terms of we're making a new Star Trek and obviously we need you to be part of it to bless it. But in doing so, they gave him this level of power because they knew that if they were to make something without Gene Roddenberry, that the Trek fans would, would you know, crap on it. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting. And it's under an hour and it has uh, cast members and Paramount executives and the guy, and I can't remember his name, Maurice, whatever, who was essentially like kind of a co-executive producer in that second season. Uh-huh. And it's it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah, those uh, those first three years were bumpy. Rough. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. No, it's, you know, as they say, if Riker's got a beard, then, all right, it might be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's early on and stuff. Yeah. No, and just like why they got rid of Dr. Crusher and all that yeah. stuff. Very interesting. So yeah, I, I it's on Netflix. Chaos on the Bridge. All right, that I will that I will check out. <laughs> um, what else have we got? What else have uh, you know? What else is happening? Oh, you know, I always want to ask. Like uh, as I hear about things moving with Lazarus and stuff, what's the movement on Queen and Country, if any? Um, I don't know. You know, there was a, a, a script that was delivered, I think, a year and a half ago, as I understand it. I never saw it. Um, Ellen Page was attached. Uh, oh, I remember that. Absolutely. I don't. Yes. I, I don't know if she still is. I believe sure. they had a director attached. I don't know if he still is. So you know, God only knows. Um, okay. I, I would love to see a good Queen and Country movie made. Um, I am not holding my breath. So you know, hey, who who won? Uh, oh, there was a celebrity. One of the and I went, was it Pat Oswalt or whatever said. Yeah, I hey, saw that for tweet. a female James Bond. Yeah, I saw that, uh, which was incredibly flattering, if only because it, Pat Oswalt knows who I am. Um, <laughs> it's always <laughs> stunning to me. You know, I'll see see somebody tweet and I'll be like, holy crap, I know who that is. They're famous. Um, it, it, that's always a thrill. I got to tell you, but um. Yeah, you know, look, I clearly there's room for it, um, but I have no idea. You know, Queen and Country has been in development now for twelve years. Wow, um, maybe longer, maybe coming up on fifteen. No, it can't be fifteen. So I think it's somewhere between twelve and fourteen years. Um, and the studio has to have sunk millions of dollars into it at this point. Um, so one would think they would like to recoup some of that. Uh, but it's Hollywood, man. You know, for, sure. forget about it, Jake. It's, it's, it's Hollywood. Um, it's true. That's true. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I just, I genuinely don't know. Um, I, I do have, uh, I, I do have a dream that I will see a Tara Chase on the screen before I pass. Um, but I, it might be a near thing. <laughs> I understand. You know, uh, Alex DeCampi and I were talking sandbaggers last night, and that's why I'm like, <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, oh, you know, when I talk to Greg, yeah. note to self. Yep. Hey, by the way, uh, 52 and Word Balloon uh, share an anniversary date. Really? Uh, 
it was Word Balloon's first, first anniversary when the first issue of 52 came out, May 10th, 2006. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. That's going to be 10 years. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That is, Sorry, man. That is a little insane. It is a little insane. Absolutely. Wow. Well, yeah, but the good news is look at all the things that you've created since that time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm not – that's not regret. That's more me going, wow, that was – that was a while ago. Yeah, it is crazy that it's been that yeah. long. And it also feels kind of like, wow, that was yesterday. So. Yep, absolutely. No, I agree. The uh, What's happening with Jad Bell? Um, Bravo had the, the second Bell novel had the unfortunate uh, timing to both be released uh, just after my dad passed and also while Hachette and Amazon were at war. Oh, yes. Um, so I think we sold maybe three copies. Um, oh. And I think you bought two of them, John. God bless you. Um, oh, yeah, I, got so, I do have Bravo. So, so um, Mulholland, oh. Mulholland basically came back to me and said, um, God, the Bell books don't seem to be selling. Um, so, which I was like, really? Why do you think that is, guys? Um, so they basically said, we'd like you to write something else. Try, try something else. So Jad's on hold for now. You know, I have notes for Charlie. That was going to be the next one. I had an idea sure. of what I was going to do. Uh, but at the behest of the publisher, I'm writing something else. And uh, because my publisher was foolish enough to say, why don't you write something else? I'm going to write whatever the goddamn well I feel like writing. So uh, I'm working on a novel right now called In the Eyes. Um, and I have no idea when it'll be out because despite my publisher's insistence that I get it into them as soon as possible, I, uh, I want this to be the book I want it to be. Um, I've written a lot of novels at this point. I think this will be either 26 or 27 of them. Um, with, 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 with this one. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. And yeah, it is. Holy cow, man. And I am, uh. I am at a point where I am kind of like, so you know what? I'm going to write the one I want to write, um, sure. and I want this one to, I want this one to really make me happy, um, more than anything else. I want this book to be a book that makes me happy. So, and if I'm honest, I like Bravo. I think Bravo is a really good book. Um, I liked Alpha. I thought Alpha was was pretty yeah. was pretty like good. Too. Yeah, but there were elements of writing both of those which felt um, I felt like I was kind of being asked to deliver um, being asked to deliver what the publisher wanted more than what I wanted if that makes okay. sense yes. and uh, this book is going to be what I want and uh, hopefully when they get it they'll go hey it's what we want to but uh if they say this isn't what we wanted then you know there's another discussion we'll have at that point um i just i uh i've written too many of these things you know what i mean and and sure. this one this one i've got a particular vision for and i want to see it through so uh hopefully it'll be out sometime 2016 okay. um all goes well but we will see Keep me in the loop, obviously. Absolutely. No, please do. No, I'm not, honestly, I'm always interested. I just talked to Meltzer uh, a couple months ago and, you know, took his temperature. And also, um, you know, Chuck Dixon and what he's doing with his men, men's adventures. Yeah, you know, yeah. Intrigues me. Yeah. 
and you know, so no, it's interesting to kind of hear how everybody's doing and what their experiences are in in the book in the you know novel market. So, yeah, we will see. All right, man. Fair enough. Well, yeah, well, you know, I mean, we're 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 at two hours, and I know, it, it, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to mess you up. It's I, right. I'm, I'm, I'm fading a bit. I have to admit. Uh, well, there you go. You see, this is the thing. You know, you I, I and believe me, I'd go another two if you'd like, but I don't want to hurt you. And also, and <laughs> well, I'm always I'm always happy to, to 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 schedule a second one, John. I just think we can, it. Uh, hey, we can we can come back absolutely. All right. Well, let, well, you, let us discuss that. All right. The, fine. We'll 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 put a pin in this one for the listeners. All right. and say, and, yeah, and then we can go back through down the list and say what didn't we talk about, and and how can we keep Rucker from talking about politics for. An hour of it. No, no, no. So, it wasn't an hour at all. I know, uh, but no, it was good. No, dude, this is fine. You know, it's going to be great. This, I'm going to probably put this out around Thanksgiving, and I was going to say these are like we're the, the cranky uncles that are talking <laughs> politics that everyone else is rolling their eyes. There at you the go. Dinner. Yeah, absolutely. And that's fine. Here you go. So, so something, so, something to help you, something to help you sleep off the uh, the Thanksgiving meal you've had. <laughs> exactly. Man. Well, there you go. No, let's hope not. No, it's. I hope it's uh, traveling. Uh, companions as people uh, make their way to their uh, family destinations. Fantastic. Yeah. Have a good Thanksgiving with the kids you and, too, uh, man. and Jen. Thank good you. Talking we'll, to you. Uh, as always, thank you, sir. All right, John. Take care, man. Always good to sit down and uh, spend a couple hours with Greg Rucka talking about comics and everything else. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Word Balloon, and I hope you are safe and enjoy your holiday weekend. Um, our previous episode, Alex DeCampi, is also right up there, brand spanking new. Uh, if all goes well on Cyber Monday, I'll have a new episode for you as well uh, to finish out November. And then the march to uh, Christmas and all the consumerism uh, just starts rolling again. But I kind of felt like, you know, you're going to get hit with all these Black Friday ads and Cyber Monday ads and stuff like that. And I'll bug you about that stuff maybe on Monday. But more importantly, uh, why don't you enjoy yourself this holiday weekend so you can just hear some good comic book conversation. No cell lines, just me and Rucka and you. So thanks again for listening, as always. Uh, thank you for the continued support and new support to the newcomers that have uh, joined the Word Balloon family. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for keeping the lights on, and uh, you do a hell of a job, and I, I thank you for that. We'll talk more about the League in our next episode. But uh, just nothing but thanks on my end to you, the Word Balloon audience, for listening and uh, letting people know you like Word Balloon and you think they will too. So enjoy yourself. Don't eat too much. Get back on the treadmill like I'm going to, and uh, let's uh, all uh, you know work off the uh, excellent food that we're all going to have with our loved ones this weekend. But I hope you do get a chance to uh, spend time with the people you love this holiday weekend. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Happy Thanksgiving.